Church, would you take your Bibles and open to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 6. Tonight we'll be looking at verses 1 through 11. I've entitled this message, Surviving a Financial Freefall. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Now I want to read this text for you. You'll follow along in your copy of God's Word. My son, if you have become surety for your neighbor, have given a pledge for a stranger... If you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and deliver yourself, since you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go humble yourself and importune your neighbor. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand, and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and we definitely need to give attention to our resources, our finances. Uh, You have called us to be good stewards of everything we have because everything we have is from your hand. Help us to be wise and use your word to guide us to make good decisions, especially in the days in which we live. This now we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Years ago, there was a ride at Six Flags. It was called the Free Fall. I'm not sure if it's still there. I hadn't been to Six Flags in a while. But uh, have, have you been there? Do you remember that ride? Anybody been on that ride, free fall? Okay, many of you have. Well, this was back in the days when I was a youth pastor, and I was carrying large numbers of youth there every summer. And I was told by one of my intelligent youth, if you will take a penny and put it on your knee, whenever they take you up, you're strapped into this cage, they take you up several stories, and then you're thrust out and dropped If you'll watch the penny, the penny will float. I thought, well, that sounds pretty good. I'll try it and see. So sure enough, I know the people with me thought I was crazy, but I was taking my penny out, put it on my knee, and then the bottom dropped out. Sure enough, my penny floated away, never to be seen again. The economy can be just like that ride at Six Flags. It can go up, 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 then suddenly the bottom falls out and everything crashes and you watch your money float away. The most recent free fall began last February and you can remember what prompted it. It was the pandemic. Within one month, The stock market had lost 30% 
Presently, our economy is seemingly stable. All the losses that were experienced in the stock market have been recovered. And uh, we're, we're right at an all-time high in the market presently, which is an indicator of what's happening in the, in the economy at large. However, there are some concerning signs on the horizon. Continued shutdowns, delayed business failures due to the pandemic, that is, businesses that have been shut down for so long, they're hanging on, they're trying to get loans in order to stay in business, and it, 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 it's not going to make it. Those are delayed business shutdowns. And, of course, inflation is another problem. All these things are causing growing concerns among financial analysts. When we think about inflation, for example, with the stock market uh, reaching points where uh, it looks like there's uncertainty uh, and the Fed comes in and they pump money into the economy and, and what happens is it, it keeps the market going. The problem with that is it creates inflation because the value of the dollar is decreased. What we would say is that they're basically printing money and they're inserting it into the economy. And it feels good, doesn't it, to get that stimulus check. And it feels good that, yeah, money is being pumped in. But the problem is we don't have the money. We're trillions of dollars in debt. And so inflation increases. That means that when you do go to the store, the dollar you have does not spend like it did 10, 15 years ago because of the inflation is so high. The question is, are we prepared to survive when there is a financial freefall? And friend, it is coming. There's no question about it. It's a matter of time. We don't know when it's coming. But the economy cannot continue the way it presently is with such an inflated market with an economy that's uncertain and with a tremendous debt that we have as a nation. There are problems on the horizon and we need to be prepared for them when they come. Now's the time to prepare. It's not after it happens. Now's the time to get ready. I want you to look with me a little closer here at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. These are words of wisdom provided for us, giving us insight into how we can survive times of economic uncertainty. I want to show you three principles from this passage I read just a few minutes ago that we need to know and we need to apply in order to make it through difficult times. So I would urge you to take out your card you received, hopefully when you came in, with the outline of tonight's message and make some notes. If you did not pick up a card, you can do so, or you can write it somewhere in the margin of your Bibles. But I think this would be a very helpful sermon for you. I hope you listen attentively to this message and apply the truth that you learn. The first principle that I want you to see tonight is that if you're going to be able to survive a financial freefall, you must deliver yourself from financial bondage. Deliver yourself 
from financial bondage. Now, notice I said deliver yourself because you're the one who has the responsibility to do that. No one else can really do that for you and no one else is going to do that for you. You must make wise choices. You must make good decisions to deliver yourself from financial bondage. Go with me now to the text. Let's look here in verses 1 and following. My son, if you have become surety for your neighbor, have given a pledge for a stranger. If you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth. Here there is a plea for deliverance. This wise father speaking to his son saying, Son, listen to me. Take heed to my words of wisdom. If you have become surety for your neighbor, the word surety simply speaks about the occasions when you agree to a bad financial deal. Particularly when you co-sign with someone. Co-signing is when you agree to take on the financial responsibility of a debt when the person who signs for the debt cannot pay. Someone may come to you and say, look, I'm in a bind. I need some money. But I don't have good credit. Would you sign down at the bank for me so I can get this loan? (laughs) And you want to make a... You want to make a, an impression upon this person? You want to help? So he said, sure, I'll be glad to do that. The Bible says it's unwise to do that. It's very unwise. The reason the bank will not give the loan is because the person's credit is not good. The bank knows that the likelihood of that person paying back that loan is not very good. So they want some added assurance. You're the added assurance. Now, there are ways to help people, but signing your name on the line for co-signing is not a good way to do it, unless you're willing to pay that debt back without any complaint. Now, if you're willing to pay the debt back without any complaint and criticism of the person, if you want to do that, that's fine, but it's not a good financial decision to make, to co-sign. Again, there are other ways to help people. There are other things that can be done. But when you think about surviving a financial free fall, you need to make wise decisions. You need to deliver yourself from financial bondage. And whenever you are putting your name on a loan that you're saying, I'm willing to pay if this person does not or cannot pay it, then you're not positioning yourself very well financially. You're placing your financial health and security in someone else's hands. It's not a wise decision. There's a plea here being given not to become surety for your neighbor. He says, have you given a pledge for a stranger? Not just a neighbor, but someone you don't really know. Don't give away your financial responsibility to someone else. It's a terrible mistake. 
Verse 2 says, if you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth. Notice those two words, snared and caught. It speaks about being trapped. Being put in a situation where you can't get freedom. You're caught in a situation that, that you have no control over. And the end is not going to be good. So you, you, can, you can feel the plea of the father speaking to his son that he loves dearly. He says, deliver yourself from this situation. Don't find yourself here. Make good financial decisions. Not only do we see a plea for deliverance, we see a plan for deliverance. Look in verse 3. Do this then, my son, and deliver yourself. Since you have come into the hand of your neighbor, go, humble yourself, and importune your neighbor. He tells him to do three things. First of all, he says, go. That means go without hesitation. Take action. Don't sit idly by and hope for the best. You've got to do something. Now that you realize you're caught, you better do all you can to get free from it. Take the initiative. Not only go, but he says, humble yourself. That means that you you have to be willing to swallow your pride. I mean, it's not easy, is it? If you made a bad financial decision and you realize it, to go to the person and say, look, I made a terrible decision. I mean, you you feel like, well, that kind of makes me look bad. I don't want to admit that I made a bad decision, so I'll just kind of stick it out. He says, no, you have to humble yourself, swallow your pride, go to this person. And then he says, notice, and importune your neighbor, that is, plead with him. Seriously ask him, beg him to be released from the contract. Admit that you made a rash decision. Say to him that that the decision you made was, was a terrible one. And you need freedom from it. Try to get this person to release you from that contract. Now obviously if the person doesn't release you then you're obligated. You're obligated to pay. But do your best to free yourself From this entanglement. If not you're in financial bondage. Now this is just one example. Of how a person can become. Bound in financial. Poor decision making. Uh, We we need to, to be careful. I think there is a great application here. Through this principle. When it comes to financial bondage. That we need to look at every aspect of how we use the resources God has given to us. Are we spending our money wisely? Are we making good financial decisions? Are we putting some away in savings? Certainly are we being faithful to give to the things of the Lord? By the way, when I pray for my children, I pray that God will bless them with good work, good benefits, so that they might take care of themselves and their family, and that they might give to the cause of Christ. 
That's, that's really all we need. That's really all we need to ask for, isn't it? One reason God gives us wealth is to take care of ourselves and our family members so we can feed ourselves and clothe, our, clothe ourselves and have a place to stay that's warm and safe. The basic necessities of life. But never forget, God also blesses us so that we might give to build the kingdom of God, to help other people. So very important principle here. Don't get entangled in financial bondage. Some of you might remember, you might be old enough to remember, some of you kids perhaps not, the second story in the Uncle Remus's stories published in 1881. Now that was a good deal before my time, I will confess, but I can remember those stories when I was a kid. The Tar Baby is the tale about how Br'er Fox made a doll out of tar and turpentine to ensnare Br'er Rabbit. How many of you remember the tale? Okay, good. The harder Br'er Rabbit fought with the tar baby, the more stuck he became. Beware of financial tar babies. They will ensnare you and cause great difficult for you, difficulty for you. Be wise and use these stable financial times to free yourself from financial bondage. So the first principle is to deliver yourself from financial bondage. There's a second principle. Write this down. Prepare yourself for financial shortage. Prepare yourself, yourself. You have to do this. Don't expect anybody else. Don't expect the government. Don't expect mom and dad. Don't expect your neighbor or the local church even. You have to take responsibility to prepare yourself for financial shortage. Look in verse 6 if you would. Here the Bible says, let's look at, let's, let's look at if you would, uh, verse 4. I, I missed verses 4 and 5. Uh, go, uh, uh, give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Speaking again about freeing yourself and doing it with a sense of urgency. That's a priority for the deliverance. Then he says in verse 6, go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. There are three things I want you to see here regarding being prepared for financial shortage. First of all, observation. There's an observation to prepare. He says, go to the ant or look at the ant. Look at the ant. Now, yesterday I took a walk through the woods and had some little little bit of work to do in some of the trails I'm trying to trim down. And I'm telling you, there are fire ant beds everywhere. Do you notice these? Are they in your yard too? I'm telling you, every few feet there's a big fire ant mound. Now, I despise fire ants. They're a nuisance. Can I get a witness? Man, that's the strongest amen I've heard in weeks. But it's true, these fire ants are nuisances. They, 
they will sting you and, and people are allergic to these things and they get in your house and they just, they cause all kinds of problems. But you have to admire their ingenuity. I mean, it's an amazing thing how they can build their mound the way they do. Sonia was telling me uh, she's teaching about ants, colonies of ants to her students. And she was relaying some of that information to me the other day. She said that she was just fascinated to learn that uh, some of these ants, they all have various assignments. Like some, she said, actually are assigned to lick the larvae to keep it moist. Then these ants will relocate the eggs up to the upper chamber during the day where the sun is shining the warmest so it will keep them at a certain temperature. And then they will be relocated to a lower chamber at night so they'll stay warmer. And those are just a few examples. And I love nothing more than kicking over a fire ant bed and watching them scramble. I'm thinking at least I get some satisfaction in knowing as much plague they give to me, I'm able to return the favor and watch them scramble around. But it's amazing how they work together, and they're always working. They're always building. They're always looking for food and storing food and working together as a team. So when we look at the ant, we can learn a lot, because here we find, verse 6, Go to the ant, old sluggard. Now, the word sluggard simply means lazy person. The advice is, if you're lazy, look at the ant, how successful the ant is. Observe her ways and be wise. That is, learn something from her, from observation. And then verse 7 says, be motivated. Motivation to prepare, he says, watch Having no chief, officer, or ruler. This means that the ant does not have a boss with a whip, with demands, saying, if you don't do this, I'm going to fire you. They simply do their work together. You can't really tell where the organization is, who's commanding the troops. They're just working together to get the job done. So the idea here is be motivated. Don't allow yourself to get into a position to where you don't work unless someone forces you to do it. If you're the type of person that mama has to come and get you out of bed... Or daddy has to threaten you to do your work. You need to quickly free yourself from that attitude. It spells disaster. If you're going to be financially sound. If you're going to taste the sweet fruit of success. You have to be self-motivated. You have to be willing to work. And work hard and make good, sound decisions with your finances. So we've talked about observation to prepare, motivation to prepare, and then verse 8, conservation to prepare. He says, as you watch the ant, 
the ant prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. That simply means that the ant does not take a vacation when the food is available. As a matter of fact, I don't know if they ever take a vacation. But I do know this, if you have a picnic, they will join you without being invited. They'll be there, they'll show up. Wherever there's a food source, they're going to that source. They're constantly looking. They're taking bits of that food back to their colony, and they're saving it for hard times to come. And that's what I'm trying to say to you tonight. Now is the time to make good financial decisions. Not when the economy plummets and an Employment skyrockets and inflation is out of control and the stock market crashes. The time to prepare is now. Make good, sound financial decisions. Conserve what you have. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't spend anything. It simply means that you plan wisely how you're going to use your resources. It doesn't mean that you don't give, obviously. I mean, if we all stopped giving, we would have no ministry here at First Baptist. And we certainly couldn't be pleasing to the Lord under those circumstances. But it means that we simply use our resources wisely and we don't squander them. We don't waste our resources We must prepare ourselves for financial shortage. Do not be like the young man that said, I'm not afraid of hard work. I could sit and watch it all day. Do not waste your time. Be a good steward. Be like the ant by working and saving when you can. Then you will be prepared for a financial freefall when it comes. Now there is a third principle here that we need to put into practice, and that is apply yourself for financial advantage. Apply yourself for financial advantage. We see this in verse 9 and following. How do we do this? Well, first of all, he says, get up to apply yourself. Verse 9, how long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Now, the word sluggard means what? Lazy person. The question is posed, how long will you lie down, sluggard? In other words, the implication here is, you're sleeping too much. You're not motivated. You're not working. You're lounging all the time. Don't you see the the need to get up and do something when you can? So there is this appeal to get up, awaken from sleep, rise up, do some work. I would say to you that there's a satisfaction that comes from hard labor. And hard labor, I'm not necessarily saying that it's hard physical labor. Certainly, that's good for you. It'll help you sleep good at night. It'll help you keep your mind in in a good place. 
It helps you learn some good principles of life. But you can also work hard by sitting at a desk. Working inside or outside, but putting your mind to the task at hand and performing as best you can to honor the Lord, to be able to save resources and use resources wisely. But you have to get up and get started. Wake up. Do your job. And then notice verse 10. Not only does he say that we're to get up to apply ourselves, but he says wake up to apply yourself. And emphasizes it again in verse 10 when he says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking breaks and having a vacation that's deserved. And certainly the Lord tells us that we are to set aside a day per week to worship Him and to rest. That's a good thing. There has to be balance. And I've met people through my years of ministry who were workaholics. They would never take time off. They would never uh, give themselves an opportunity for vacation and they were wearing themselves out and they were not performing at a high level because they were constantly burdened down with their work, overwhelmed by it, burnt out because of it. So obviously there's balance, but here as this wisdom is being given to the son, he, the father is saying to him, look, For the lazy person, their problem is not that they're out of balance. The problem is they're not out of bed. They're not even getting up. They're not getting in the action. They're not working at all. So you have to get up and wake up. Be alert. And then notice, suit up to apply yourself. Verse 11, your poverty will come like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. That is, if you continue to be lazy and fail to apply yourself, if no one can motivate you, if you're not even motivated by an empty belly to get up and do your work, the result will be poverty. Poverty will come upon you like a vagabond. The vagabond is simply abandoned. It can mean someone wandering around that's, that's homeless, that's uh, depending on someone else. It can also mean like a rogue a rascal, a a bandit, someone who will take something from you. Your poverty will come upon you like a bandit, your need like an armed man. That is, you're going to find yourself in a predicament. You're not going to be able to take care of yourself. When the financially hard times come, That's a hard time to get back on top of things. It's difficult to save during hard times. You've squandered your opportunity. And that's what I'm trying to urge you to do. Work hard, and many of you do work hard. Many of you you own businesses or you're working in a business and you work extremely hard. Most of the uh, folks here at First Baptist do. As a matter of fact, I, I, I can't think of any person that would, is lazy. Perhaps there are some of the folks in our membership who are. I just simply don't know them. I can't identify them. But I'm saying in a general sense, working hard is a good thing. And I commend you for the hard work you do, for the way you apply yourself. And we as parents and grandparents need to instill within our children these principles.
We can't, we can't take for granted that they will just automatically pick them up. We have to teach them just like they're being taught here in this passage of Scripture. I read about two men who were passing by a store and they saw a sign that read, No Help Wanted. One of the men turned to the other and said, You should apply. You'd be great. Do not be that kind of a man. Work hard. And be wise when it comes to financial planning. This is how you can apply yourself and find financial freedom. When you're in a free fall, what you need is a parachute. That's what you need, a parachute. To slow your descent. To ease the severity of that landing. God's word provides the parachute that you need. The protection you need through sound wisdom. That when applied will work. It's God's will that we prepare ourselves. And who knows what the future holds. I'm certainly not one to give financial advice. And you can find all kinds of advice from uh, in, in the financial wor- world today where people think uh, devastation's coming to this is the greatest time to be alive from a financial perspective. We simply don't know. But here's what we do know. We do know that these are changing times. We do know that we're wise when we prepare ourselves for them. Don't take for granted, if you're doing well now, that it's always going to be that way. Make good financial choices and experience the blessings of God. Dear Father, we thank you so much for the wisdom of your word. Just a word tonight to your people about potentially what could be coming on the horizon. And how you've called us to make good financial choices. And I pray that we would heed that word that we would deliver ourselves from financial bondage. I pray, Father, that we would apply ourselves so we can have financial gain, not just so that we can have more stuff, but so that we might take care of ourselves and give for the advancement of your kingdom. And, Father, we pray that we would make these decisions tonight, recommit ourselves to being stewards. That's a part of what it means to be a disciple. A follower of Christ is using the resources you've given us to honor you in all things. I thank you for all the folks here at First Baptist, Lord. We have some hardworking people here who are not just interested in making money for themselves, but in using their resources wisely to help people who really are in need and to honor you through all that they have. I thank you for them, Lord, and I thank you for their faithfulness in giving. Lord, it means so much and it's so needed. May we give even more for your kingdom's work. For your glory we pray in Christ's name. Amen.